Well, there's, I would have to say many times my kids have had a dad who was unable to sympathize with their weakness. What is your problem? Whatever it is, get over it. Unable to sympathize. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to do what Christ does for us. I want to understand his struggles so intimately that I can look at the world through his eyes. Then I know how he needs to hear the message of the gospel and grace and the calling of God on him. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we're continuing our series with Dr. Ted Tripp talking about a proverb a day in May. But in this context, the wisdom of Solomon that he's trying to pass on to the next generation, needing the wisdom of communication and patience. A great message from Ted Tripp. Don't miss it. But first, we're talking with Lydia Brownback about how to break into this wisdom literature as the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All month long, we're studying in this series, A Proverb a Day in May. We're challenging you to pursue wisdom, to seek it, to find it, and to treasure it like gold and and a hidden treasure. This is important because wisdom is something, especially in our day, that is lost. It's 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 sold as like fast food in a commodity that you can get at a drive-through. We we can't find wisdom so so passively. Wisdom, if it really is going to be found, must be plumbed and and processed and and broken down and and given to great treasure and value. We must treasure it. It's not something that we can just listen to listen to on the radio, and then not remember it for the rest of the day. We need to sit and meditate and chew on it over and over again. And that's why this week we've been talking with Lydia Brownback, who's written a couple books on the subject of Proverbs. Uh, The one uh, most notable is called A Woman's Wisdom, How the Book of Proverbs Speaks to Everything. And Lydia, the book of Proverbs is really a practical resource, but it is a resource for wisdom. And the question, especially in our culture today, where there are so many voices out there uh, trying to pawn their own form of version of, of wisdom, why is wisdom really important, especially for the life of a believer? Well, I think especially today, more than ever before, when we have, at least in our culture, and our society, when everything, wisdom has been turned on its head in terms mm-hmm. of what it is. And when we're told that love is embracing sin and exalting sin, and you're not loving if you don't do that, that is an absolute reversal of wisdom. And we see uh, as the, as the, as the, um, we call it persecution. We can't really call it that so much in our country, as uh, but we can call it rejection, isolation, canceling, the cancel culture, whatever you know. And, and it, as we are, as Christians, can um, more regularly uh, marginalized for our holding to our convictions. We see the compromises, or or just not even the fear, even so much sometimes as it is. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I maybe it is wise for me to be more loving and more embracing of alternative lifestyles. And and maybe that would please the Lord. I mean, after all, Jesus, you know, embraced um, all kinds of people. And, and that's where the slippery slope starts. And that's why wisdom is so vitally important to recognize that you can love and embrace without compromising vital truth. And, and studying the life of Jesus is, is primarily a, you know, the way to go. Uh, it's, it's Proverbs too. Mm. And we do not compromise. And that's actually very interesting because we typically 
think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, to be honest with you, and assume that we would recognize folly if it was calling out for us. But the, the reality is, it is incredibly hard to distinguish folly because our hearts are drawn to it, right? We're prone to it. We want these things to be true. We want the, what is false to be true because we don't want to accept the truth. So we have to actually learn and have a, a, a tool to measure the difference between wisdom and folly so that we don't fall prey to the deceitfulness. It is incredibly deceitful uh, to fall into the traps of the world. Exactly. And I think we also need to have, it's one of the things, wisdom, the fear of the Lord gives us. Uh, the more we know God, the more we're going to understand and know ourselves. And we're going to know where we're weak and where we are vulnerable to believing folly, to following it, what can attract us to it. And it, so it's, sometimes it's not just, you know, oh, my flesh likes that idea. It, it's the fear of rejection. It's the fear of, of being canceled. Uh, it's it's uh, just wanting to be liked by our neighbors. And if we if we take a stand for something that they find unloving, unkind, increasingly they do biblical standards to them are hatred um this is where we, we need wisdom more than ever before as christians in this country in, in the west mm. absolutely as someone who is uh, written now two books on the subject of proverbs really encouraging people to delve into it uh, what advice do you have for our listeners who have always struggled with the book of proverbs and and wanted to know how to to actually walk away with something that is actually helpful for them as opposed to just uh, reading it and being left in the dark you know i would say take some time doing a do a topical study and pick the tongue or pick morality or pick um uh your time and how you use it um pick a theme and 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 study it all through and prayerfully see how ask the lord to help you apply it to your life what area might you want to work on here and see how proverbs addresses it and i I think that's a big one in general i think for women i think about the proverbs 31 woman and how um, that she is a scary person um, for people (laughs) and i'd like to say you know she's a poetic figure she's not a real person and you think no one could live like that um, awake and working 24 hours a day and to understand her at the end here, she is, she is meant to be the epitome of the kind of wife that this young man the father's speaking to should choose. And it, there's not this beating over the head, women, you need to be just like her. Uh, it's to understand her in the context of the book. So that would be an important study, as well as maybe picking some other topics here. I think the tongue is a key one. It talks about gossip and lying and flattery and not just flattering others, but we're susceptible to it. And and it talks about drunkenness and gluttony and self-control. I mean, who among us isn't going to be hammered by something in this book? We've been talking with Lydia Brownback about two books, both on the book of Proverbs. It's One is called A Woman's Wisdom, how the book of Proverbs speaks to everything. And the other is a part of the Knowing the Bible Uh, study guide, uh, 12 weeks in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Lydia, it's always a joy to have you with us. Thank you so much for sharing with us your wisdom, but most importantly, pointing us to the Word of God and teaching us the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. It's great to talk with you, Adam. Thank you for having me. If you want to find out more information about Lydia Brownback and her books, 
all of those resources. We, we have a few copies available. We'd like to resource them to you because they don't serve us any good uh, sitting on our shelves with no one reading them. So find out more information again by giving us a call 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our conference coming up next week, Saturday, May 14th, a conference with Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife, Margie, talking about training up a child. That obviously comes from Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. This conference is really designed to help uh, us understand how to speak and communicate to the next generation. Uh, Ted and Margie have, have put together some amazing content on how to articulate the gospel to the heart of a child. Uh, I can't think of anyone that's better at speaking on this very subject, and I can't think of a better time in our society and our culture that we need to discuss this subject. So this is a conference for parents, it's for grandparents, it's for teachers in the public school and private school and homeschooling. It's for those who are teaching in Sunday school and in children's church and and teaching in, in youth group. But really, it's for anyone and everyone, that includes you, who is concerned about how to communicate and demonstrate the gospel to the next generation. In this message from Ted Tripp, we'll discover the importance of communication and the theme that is found throughout the book of Proverbs, challenging us to articulate truth to those who come behind us. Here is Ted Tripp. Imagine with me that you're out uh, buying shoes. Your, your son has come to you, your 13-year-old son has come to you and he says, I need a pair of sneakers. Do you ever notice that the operative word is always need? Kids never come and say, hey, Dad, I want a pair of sneakers. You know, I just, I, I want a pair of sneakers, Dad. No, he comes, Dad, I need, I need a pair of sneakers. So I've gone out to meet this need and we're out buying sneakers and we've looked at every pair of sneakers in the entire city and I've kind of been real patient with this and we're going all over all these stores. And it's getting late. He's got a pair of shoes on. He's looking at these shoes, you know. Say, hey, what's the matter with those? I think they really look sharp. Says, uh, I guess they're okay. We'll take them. So you say to the clerk, we'll take these. You want to wrap up the sale, get out of here in a hurry before he changes his mind. So it's the next day. He's putting these shoes on he didn't like when you got them, and he's crying. Now, how are you going to handle that? You know, if you want to delight in airing your own opinion, you could say to him, look, I know what you're crying about with those shoes, you know, uh, a couple of days, no one even know what they look like anyway. They're just going to get messed up anyway. But what would your friend Jared say if you told him you're crying over your shoes? Don't be such a wimp. You know, those shoes you don't like, Mr. Hotshot, cost more than my first car. I got more important things to do than worry about shoes. I got to go out and earn some money so I can buy more shoes no one around here likes. Just shut up and put on the shoes. So I've communicated, haven't I? You know, the problem's going to go away now. The kids are going to say, you know, yeah, you're right, Dad. I'm just being a wimp. You know, thanks. I needed that. What I've done here is I've iced myself out. Whatever this kid does with this problem from this point on, I'm not going to be part of it. Now, he might uh, go and get, try to get his mother to buy him a pair of shoes. I, ho I hope she won't do that, but he might do that. Or he might, uh, he might go to his, uh, his brothers and sisters and commiserate with them. I'm sorry I made fun of you when he bought those shoes for you last week. Now I know how you felt. <laughs> he might go to his friends in school and do a preemptive strike. Look at these shoes my dad made me buy. I hate these shoes. He's such a jerk. That way the kids won't make fun of him because he's already made fun of the shoes. But whatever he does with the problem, I'm not going to be part of it. Now... Does the Bible speak to these kinds of things? Does the Bible speak to the struggle this kid is having who feels mortified by footwear that is unattractive and is going to make him look silly? Does the Bible speak to that? See, I think it does. And we're not going to find it in shoes in our concordance, but 
you know, the Bible talks about, about our sense of well-being, a sense of well-being that is rooted in relationship to God. All the fullness of God is in Christ, and Christ is in you. And that whole idea that I, I'm complete in Christ, I'm okay as a person, not because of my footwear or because of my abilities or because of what people think of me, but I have an identity as a person that is rooted in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's bedrock for our souls. Can teenagers understand that stuff? You bet. Remember, years ago, we had a low-budget retreat. We did it at a state park in tents. It rained. It rained buckets. I mean, it rained all weekend. It rained like people were pouring 55-gallon drums on top of the tents at night. It was just, it was awful. Sometimes you can hardly hear with the pounding rain. I don't know why we stuck it out to the end, but we did. My brother Paul was speaking to the kids on being complete in Christ. Fast forward five or six years. I'm riding in the car with my oldest son. He's graduated from college. We're riding along, and he says to me, uh, Dad, remember that retreat when Uncle Paul taught? Remember the retreat where it rained? Oh, yeah, how could I forget, you know? So remember, remember what Uncle Paul taught about? I said, I think so. What do you think he talked about? Uh, he said, he talked about being complete in Christ. He said, Dad, those messages carried me through high school and through college. See, kids can get a hold of this stuff. Maybe this opportunity with the shoes is an opportunity for me to talk to this kid about some wonderful things. But I'm going to miss the opportunity if I have this first conversation. If I really wanted to light an understanding, I could have a conversation like this. I could say, look, you're upset about the shoes, aren't you? Yeah. I didn't think you liked them when we got them last night, but you didn't want to tell me, did you? No. What don't you like about them? They look stupid. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Jared says they look like a dweeb. <laughs> when did Jared see them? We just got them last night. Chris got a pair like this. He wore them to school yesterday. Jared told everyone he looked like a dweeb. What's a dweeb? Oh, never mind. <laughs> what looks dweeby about those shoes? Yeah, they got a red stripe up the back. They're last year's shoes. That's why they were only $89. <laughs> now, what are we learning here, brethren? Is this valuable stuff? In the world this kid inhabits this day, this is valuable. And see, what I want to do with this kid is I want to do what Jesus does in the Incarnation. Think about the Incarnation as a model for communication. What does God do? God could have stayed off in his heaven and spoken to us through lightning and fire and thunder. Remember how he did that in Exodus? The people were afraid. But what does God do? He comes to this earth and he dwells with us. He experiences life, life that you and I experience in this earth. He experiences that life without sinning. And isn't that the whole joyful note of, of Hebrews? Both he who makes men holy and those who are being made holy had to be made of the same family. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help us when we're tempted. Somehow Christ's capacity to help us in the face of temptation is tied to the fact that he himself suffered those same temptations. And the joyful note of chapter 4 is, is we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted at every point like we are without sinning. And we can approach his throne of grace and find grace and mercy to help in our time of need. Brothers, I would have to say many times my kids had had a dad who was unable to sympathize with their weakness. What is your problem? Whatever it is, get over it. Get a life. Unable to sympathize. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to do what Christ does for us. I want to be able to look at the world through this teenager's eyes. I want to understand his struggles so intimately that I can look at the world through his eyes then I know how he needs to hear the message of the gospel and grace and the calling of God on him.
but I want to look at the world through his eyes. I was having lunch with someone. They said, you know, this stuff that you're talking about is time consuming. You're right. I'm persuaded we have no more important calling in our lives when we have children at home than to shepherd the hearts of our kids. May God give us grace and wisdom to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to be people who show our kids the glory and goodness of your ways. Oh, Lord, help us to be people who help our teenagers to see the fear of the Lord, the importance of adherence to biblical discipline and wisdom, a parental discipline and wisdom, and the importance of disassociating themselves from wickedness. Grant us grace to be parents who are engaging our kids, who are communicating with them, who understand them. Grant us this, Lord, that we might raise up from our homes a holy seed for your church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I honestly don't think that there is a better communicator to parents and grandparents and to adults on how to speak to the next generation. You can really get a sense of that from Dr. Ted Tripp because he has a heart for children. He has a heart for the next generation and he knows how to communicate to them. And if you notice, he's using very practical illustrations, things that kids understand, kids can relate to. And that is exactly where I want to take us today with our proverb a day in May. In Proverbs chapter six, we see this great proverb about the ant. Well, what can we learn from ants? Well, the proverb teaches, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, overseer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. You know, it's a beautiful picture of the ants and their hard working, their great work ethic. But I don't know if you knew this, but ants don't actually make bread or harvest grain, but they work hard in what they are doing. And the principle is that their labor ultimately pays off in the end. Very practical stuff. But the next part comes at the very end of this, as it says, a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come in upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You know, to build up prosperity, to build up wealth, to build up security, it takes a lot of time and work, but to destroy something, it takes just a moment. Uh, just one little weak spot in the wall can allow a robber to break through. You can do a great job at building up three of the four walls and they can be strong and stout and made of stone. But if you forget the fourth wall or you leave the doors open, then a robber can sneak in very easily. This is a reminder not only for children to learn from the ant, but also for us as adults in considering what we have done to shore up our foundation and the walls of our faith as we seek to pass that on to the next generation. Let me tell you that we have a lot of oversights and things that we're not even aware of. And that's why I've invited Dr. Ted Tripp to come next weekend on Saturday, May 14th, to come and speak on this very issue on how to communicate and articulate the gospel to the next generation. He'll be bringing with him his wife, who will also be talking about uh, prodigals in particular. I think we've all got a prodigal in our lives that we are praying for. This will be a great time to, to hear from her. Uh, but we'll also hear from Dr. James Manganello, who is a Christian psychologist, talking about mental health health issues for the next generation. 
a key issue that I think is very prominent within our day. If you want to find out more information and register for this conference, head over to our website at songtime.com. And of course, you can always give us a call at 508-362-7070. If you want to support the work that we're doing, and really you want to show your financial support behind the effort to reach the next generation with the gospel, consider giving and give generously a donation of any amount. When you write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508 362 7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com and be sure to check us out on social media and help us share this event next weekend so that we can encourage more families to make the gospel a central figure of their home. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace. We want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it.